And then, and then, Jack Frost started nipping at my nose. <laughs> so I, I, I filed a police report, and uh, and uh, the the hashtag started. So uh, why was what hashtag Jack Frost? Hashtag Jack Frost is over by. Oh, Jack Frost is been, has been over for many a year. <laughs> I'll never look at Jack- carrots in the same way again. Jack Frost is the new insert name of celebrity who's been outed as a sex offender over the last month here. Ooh. <laughs> hey, by the time this will be going out, Chris, we'll have a new government. That's true. I hope it's prosperous and <laughs> I hope um, it's not Boris and ben- beneficial for all. Yeah, yeah, it, it will be though, won't it? It probably will. I'm gonna eat gingerbread and fuck them. This is the world we live in. Nah. Um, so. Hi, everyone. <laughs> as you're listening to this, it's probably just been Christmas. Yeah, Merry Yesterday. This is going out on Boxing Day 2019, so depending on when you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be listening to this uh, Boxing Day 2020. So no doubt. In which case, Jesus Christ, you got a backlog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got a whole year. Um, um, hope things are better over there. Oh boy, do I! I um, hope things get better, future people. I hope Jeremy Corbyn got around to watching his copy of Sill on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> what circumstances led to that? I don't know. That's what I want to know. But when you call something Sill and the Devil's Seeds of Arador, I guess you need to get the publicity out there for it as much as possible, so people don't go. What? <laughs> oh, God. I need to register for my postal vote because I'm not going to be home during the general election. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you need to register for your copy of Still of the Devil Seeds of Arador. <laughs> no, apparently, it, it, as, long as, I, as long as I'm campaigning for my political party, I'll just be handed one. Oh! <laughs> 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 Sorry, I think what you mean is... <laughs> Uh, should we I, talk about something? I am Chris. Can you tell it's mid-November, Johnson? I am uh, Matt, <laughs> whose balls are decked <laughs> with the bowels of holly. And oh, fuck it, spiky. <laughs> Watson. Beautiful. What I love about this is that we, we, we're, uh, we're doing... There's two firsts for this Christmas special on Big Dumb first. Cast. This is the first Big Dumb Cast where we are not drunk not for Christmas. The first, yeah, it's not the first Big Dumb <laughs> Cast big where cast. we're not drunk. No, we're, we're, always, we're always stoned for the other Big Dumb Cast. We're big <laughs> Dank Cast. Big we've done the best part of 200 shows. Pissed. <laughs> 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 well, this is the first one, mostly just because of our, our days. We've got stuff on on the day we're having to record this that yeah. we, we can't get smashed for the recording at some point there might be a point in the recording where I have to duck out and answer a phone call because my car's being MOT'd right now (laughs) Jesus because I'm an adult no but but another first there is a Christmas tree in the room as we record yeah it's not up it's not up Before I go into Panto Land, Lucy and I have emptied Christmas from its storage so that it's she doesn't here. have to do it on her own. And you can bet I'm going to be tickling my balls with that later. Oh, I hope so. Hey. It's, got, it's got unfurling bits. It's, it's like an umbrella. You can stick it up your arse and oh. then unfold that pipe. It's like a, it's like a arse brush. Like a fox's penis. It's like a pipe cleaner for your poo pipe. 
It's a poop pipe cleaner. <laughs> uh, festive fun, everyone. But on, on this Christmas special, we thought that we should talk about... Halloween. It's Halloween. Isn't it weird that next year, year after next, there's going to be four movies in a continuity where two of them are called Halloween, (laughs) but the other two aren't. But you have to watch them in order. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends. Yes. What a load of bollocks. It never will, though. What a load of bollocks. What a load of Halloween. What a load of bollocks. (laughs) What a load of Christmas. (laughs) You're Um, terminated, fucker. Do you remember that scine? You're terminated, Remember that scene in Halloween? She's your terminated, fucker. fucker. And she kicks Jason right in his glove. It's my favourite one. It's my favourite scene. <laughs> and then she wakes up. Um, <laughs> and it's just Dallas. <laughs> and then John Connor gets pulled into the mirror. Oh, uh, shit. So, uh, um, we thought, because we've talked about Christmas movies, we've talked about underrated so, gems, we've talked about like the history of Christmas uh, entertainment. I think, I think Gemma Arston is the most underrated gem. That's true. I'll, I'll, I'll back you up on that. She's wonderful. She's bloody good. Let's let's. Do you know what? Sod it. New topic. This Gemma Collins is the most just overrated. Gem. Gemma Collins needs to go and <laughs> fall into a black hole. Get in the sea. Forever. Get in the sea. And that's not a fat joke. I can say that as a fat man. <laughs> so there we go. She's just a detestable and very unlikable person who takes up valuable airspace. Think. Think, boys and girls, of the millions of pounds that have been spent on Gemma Collins over the last few years. Think. The court. Have funded a return of your favourite sketch show or sitcom, could have funded new dramas, could have funded new projects, could have gone to charity for Christ's sake. The cure for cancer. Yeah, but instead, are the GC babes? Shut up. Anyway, I thought they were angry. I'm uh, not. <laughs> you are. I'm fuming. I'm fucking fuming. Eat this gingerbread Gemma Collins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't bite into her face. <laughs> Covered in, uh, it's covered in fucking. Um, just lick it. Contours. Just lick it. Must I? Shall I have this? Shall I eat this? Eat, but eat some I'm, of it. I'm currently eat holding some of it this. At least. We're, date, we're dating this recording. I'm currently eating a gingerbread blush. A gingerbread from, blush uh, from from Greegs, who don't sponsor us, but fuck me if they'd like to. Yes, bloody please. Yes. Um, the yes. vegan sausage rolls may be better than the actual ones. Yes. Discuss. Disgust. Done. You just said it all with one sentence. I'm eating it. I'm eating a need biscuit. Listen. Listen. Christmas specials. Television Christmas specials. There are them. Yeah. (laughs) There are them. There are things. They are things. Um, So there's kind of two types of television Christmas special. Yes. I'm going to have the other cheek. Um, uh, The first being, of course, a Christmas themed or Christmas set episode of your standard television show. Be that whatever genre it already is, whatever format it already is, etc., etc. Et yeah, you know, Christmas themed snuff films. Um, <laughs> well, funnily enough, one on my list. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, <and laughs> second, there are the made for Christmas specials, which are specific, usually standalone things that are made for Christmas. So things like. The Star Wars Holiday Special, which we talked about we a couple years back. It's a um, day of peace. You know, the ranking bass stuff. A but... day of heart. <laughs> oh, Rest in peace, Carrie. Please. <laughs> I hope you do. You deserve it. You, like, just, you fucking deserve it. You had a fucking hard time. <laughs> and you br- you were brilliant. I mean, she had to kiss George Lucas for ah, that, ah, that ah, bit in Hook. 
Oh. What? That's them. The couple that when they fly past. Oh no! Uh, and that couple that are kissing on on the um, it's not bloody London Bridge. Everyone calls it London Bloody Bridge. Which bridge is it? The one near Westminster. Why was she kissing George Lucas? It was them in a cameo. They're just they're the couple who are randomly kissing and they start to float in the air. So there you go. Also, that pirate Shit. who hook, that pirate who hook bollocks in the first scene. You're the one who proper singles out. Yeah, it's Glenn Close. Yes, in prosthetics and a beard. That's weird, but okay. It's really weird, but it's extra weird when you know it, because when you watch it, you're like, that's clearly a female voice. That is a but female who? voice coming out of that pilot. Pirate. That pilot. That pilot. Hook. None of these are pilots. Captain these Hook. are all tomatoes of established series. He first. drives Concord and he's got pilots. Um, ah! Ah! Does Hook count as a Christmas film? I know we're going slightly off topic. Um, No. It's set around Christmas time. You can have... I guess. It's as much a, Christmas is up in, in Wendy's house when they visit it and it's snowing everywhere. It's as much a Christmas film as Die Hard, so I guess, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. We're adding it to the list. It's on the list. Uh, Chris and Matt from uh, last year, <laughs> add Hook to the list. Put it on there. Yeah. Add it to the list. Um, It's a film that I like. Yeah. But apparently not many do. Apparently Hook is hated in the States. People think Hook is bad. Hook is not bad. I think it didn't do well at the box office. <laughs> Hook is a wasted opportunity... In many ways, but it's not bad. How is Hook a wasted opportunity? Because you spend the majority of the movie yeah. with Peter and you grow charmed by this this fastidious... Um... And precise? <laughs> He's a killer of pirates. Um, you spend some time... You spend time with P- Peter Panning, whatever his name is, Robin Williams' character... And you really want him to be himself. But then when he becomes Peter Pan... Peter Panhandler. He's a completely different character. And it feels kind of odd. For that last for that last sort of 20 minutes. And because then he kind of snaps out of it almost. and goes back to being Peter Panning and still saves the day. But it's this whole thing of like, yay! Here comes the character that we aren't actually invested in! It's really weird. It's like the end of Beauty and the Beast. When you're happy for them. But when he turns into Prince Adam at the end of Beauty and the Beast, you go... <laughs> Hang on, who's this? Do you know what I mean? Like, because you grew to love the Beast. That's the character you grew to love. Does Bell's Enchanted Christmas count as a Christmas special? Fuck that VHS. <laughs> I guess it's despite having Paul Rubens and Tim Curry in it. Fuck it. <laughs> or because depending on your preferences. <laughs> Paul Rubens fucked it at the back of a theater. Oh so- no! <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you said the magic word! Poor behaviour! Um, <laughs> public masturbation! <laughs> um, Who doesn't love public masturbation? Oh wait, I'm sure everyone. Was, I'm sure there was a Christmas special at Pee-wee's Playhouse, but we didn't see that! What we're going to do today, oh, God. as this man was beautifully segueing before I came in with my wanky hook chack, Rufio, is what Christmas specials, television ones particularly, are ones we enjoy. But also, like you said, it's either because they're a Christmas special or they are a Christmas edition of a pre-existing product. Um, Christmas set or Christmas themed. Yeah! Sometimes both. You have a hefty list, Squire. I have a hefty list. Some that I just want to mention in passing. Cool. Uh, as while, you do, while, while, you, while you mention some passing, I'm going to eat Blush's face. Well... I'm a child in need. I think the first one... <laughs> this biscuit will suffice. The first one I should mention just so I can get out of the way. Um, because <laughs> there's at least one major part of it who is a fucking waste of time. Um, 
and that's the UK office Christmas special, mm. which is great for the Tim and Dawn stuff, but unfortunately a large chunk of it is Ricky Gervais, mm. who, as we all know, makes $130 million for every joke he makes, which is why his net worth is $110 million. <laughs> he identifies as a twat. Yeah, he does. No, everyone else identified him as a twat. That's there the you. one, yeah. Um, you can't name such a podcast, Ricky! <laughs> Can you? And come on here and say snide things to us! <laughs> God, he's here! Quick! You appeared! Hit him with that tree! Um, <laughs> Get back, Gervais! Yeah, the UK Get office- back, you twat! The UK office is simultaneously more and less charming than the US office uh, because it it focuses a little too much on David Brent and which know, was fine what, for the time and what makes, fine yeah. for, for what launched it into thing. We have we have to thank how it all went down because yeah. that's how we ended up with the American one, which I think both of us prefers the wrong word, but it's it's definitely no, it isn't. <laughs> there it is. No, I prefer um, the US office. Because the US office got to expand on the stuff we loved and about got, the UK got, one, and, and, and really the, got the rest of the characters in, in the in the titular office are actually characters, yeah, and have things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas the actors in the original one, like sort of, only about four of them kind of are given yeah. significant things to, um, to play with, and they got to draw out the Tim and Dawn stuff with Jim and Pam a mm-hmm. bit. But the reason that this is, you know, a beloved Christmas special, is because it is the sort of Resolution to the Tim, yeah, to the, the Tim and Dawn. It's the stuff. end of the office. Is it because it was, it was two seasons, yeah. then two Christmas specials, wasn't it? Yeah, that played out on like it was like Boxing Day and mm. New Year's Eve or something like that. Was when they went out or something. But this is the one where she's at the Christmas party and she leaves with a boyfriend, like sort of unwillingly, and then comes in all teary and uh, and smooches, smooches, put uh, good old Tim. Uh, Lucy Davis gives Martin Freeman a big old smackaroo. And it's lovely. Yeah. And uh, that sort of... I remember that going out, actually. It's, really it's enough to it. overshadow the obnoxiousness of Ricky Gervais. Um, I mean, that's not to, that's not to shit on the storyline stuff that happens to David no. Brent in those specials, because that no. is also quite touching and, <laughs> and uncomfortable. But, but it's, yeah. I'm also, the more... Uh, <laughs> it gets harder and harder year on year to go back to anything with Ricky Gervais in because I think I picked of the... all the uncomfortable touching <clears throat> that he does to himself while he names such himself <laughs> on Twitter. I think I, I think I picked the right time to introduce Lucy to extras then, which was about a year ago. Yeah. I was like I was like you know I was like, I know cringe comedy's really not your thing, but I really want you to see this. I mean cringe comedy's really, really not my thing, which is why the the stuff that I enjoy more out of the office is the side characters. Yeah. And the Jim and Pam stuff. Cringe comedy UK works stuff. for me when it's farcical. So like, so like, so like, Forty Towers or One Foot in the Grave or Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's where, where I can't where, watch Peep Show. Know. People love Peep Show, yeah, and I, I can't get, watch I it. Get despite the fact one. that I really like David Mitchell, because it's just painful. Absolutely, it's excruciating to watch. I do think I enjoy that more like on, a te- on a technical level. Uh, on a technical really, level, on a yeah. writing level, yeah, absolutely, it's great. But I can't watch. I can't enjoy it. Because it's cringy. Because it's just so, it is so so much cringe comedy. Well, if you can endure, but that's it, why I'm not really meant. I'm not. That's why I'm not mentioning the extras Christmas special because well, it's not. I was going to say I am going to mention the extras. Yeah, do special, do so, do so. But simply because um, 
for fans of this show, because obviously there are people listening to this going, I thought you were a geek podcast. Yeah, we kind of are. The Extras Christmas special contains some stuff. a glimpse there is some stuff. of a fake Doctor Who. Um, and it went out in 2008, 2009, this Christmas special. So David Tennant was the Doctor and is the Doctor in these scenes. Of course. And it involves a Sill-like, funnily enough, a Sill-like creature played by Ricky Gervais. And it's, it's played completely straight, but it, it sort of it exists in this weird thing where it's like, you've got the actual star, you've got some really interesting prosthetics, but you're making it look like it's everyone's archetypal vision of the show from the 70s, 80s. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Are you saying that Gervais is reductive in his comedy? Maybe. <laughs> but, but as a result, it ends up being yeah. this wonderful, weird, ultimate glimpse into an idea, a thingy of like, if the show had just carried on, but also still ended up with David Tennant and had deteriorated in finance and support in-house and everything over time. Yeah, that's not, that's not so weird with things like that, where it's like, we're going to... It's like if they were doing a star, if they if they were doing the same thing with Star Trek, for example, yeah, they they'd make it look like sixty Star Trek, even if they were doing it in like two thousand nineteen. Yeah, it, it's it's because they would make it look like thing. Discovery or yeah. Next Generation. They'd make it look like sixty Star Trek. It is very strange, um, but also Ashley Jensen, she's amazing and she's brilliant in all of extras and she's great in pretty much everything she's in. So I took the extras Christmas special in there. Because why not? I don't think... I don't... If I remember correctly, it's not the finale of it, but I, it is the last sort of story we got to see of it. I took the extra's Christmas special in a hole. Could we at least save Ashley Jensen before it goes in the hole? Yeah, right. She's lovely. She was a guest at CBBC once. She was doing bedtime stories for CBBS, and because she was waiting around a little bit before they were recording and wasn't sure what to do, she noticed that we'd all come in and out of live, like rushing and all this, that and the other. She made everyone a brew. Oh, that's sweet. She just made a tray of tea. She was like, I'm not sure how anyone takes it, but put some sugar on there and the milk on the side. Just, to, you know, thought you lot might need it. You're rushing around working your that's asses nice. off. It was like, well, that's I fancied nice. you before. That's sweet. <laughs> now I'm absolutely in love with you. Um, there's a great photo of me somewhere where it's her and Hacker posing in the office because she popped into the studio and me in the background looking like I've been left out. Oh. Which is uh, a photo I'll have tattooed on my forehead. Tattooed on your bonds. Beneath the word yamaged. Yamaged. Uh, let's crack on with our TV Christmas special. Um, so the other kind of, of Christmas special. Yeet. Are you quite finished? I'm down with the kids, sir. Are you quite finished? I'm down with the kids. That way we can mark this video suitable for kids. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off, YouTube. That's if this channel still exists on December the 26th. Yeah, if they decided that we're commercially viable or whatever. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um... The other kind of Christmas special that we mentioned is, of course, the specially made for Christmas standalone thing. Piece of television. And one of the... Like one... Bleak House. Like Bleak House. Yes. Or Crooked House. Yes. Bleak House. Crooked House. That's what we're doing. Okay. Other House. Wonky House. Our House. In the middle of... Our House. Our, <laughs> our House in the middle of Our House. It's like the end of Legopolis. A Matryoshka story. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Or the fucking time monster. They just keep walking <laughs> out of one house and there's another house in the room. So our like, oh house <laughs> in the middle of a house. In the middle of a house. Do you know what it is? House. It's the community theatre version of Our House the Musical, but they can only afford the one house. They can't afford the street. It's our house. It's a house and it's a if, house. If our that, house. If our house has multiple our houses in the middle of it, or our house has multiple our houses with our houses in the middle of those multiple our houses all the way down. Right. I'm thinking does, then, does then that become a street? If our house falls in the forest, 
<laughs> and no one is around. Does something make a sound? Do multiple recurs. <laughs> Do multiple. <laughs> That's his noise. That's oh. Oh. That's my oh. sucks noise. Oh, that's my sucks noise. Um, baggy trousers. Did it? Did it? He sounds like Bowie hopped up on like on, on sleeping pills. What is Suggs if not Bowie hopped up on sleeping pills? I know. It's going Wait, to fix Chris, was it was. Are you sure? Are you sure we're sober for this? I don't know what anything means anymore. And I'm um, kind of fine with it in a way. I'll be honest, it's it's the best way to do, be. Does an inter it does an infinitely recursive our house tesseract make a street <laughs> is what I wanna know. Uh, no, <laughs> Well, that's the first T-shirt on sale uh, on the Red Bubble. <laughs> get that. Get get working on that graphic designers. Out in the middle of our house. Um, <laughs> our house, but every time they I say our house, another house appears. I don't know why that's tickled me so much. Um, but one thing that did definitely tickle me, and I know why. God, I hope this goes in the a right good, way. In a good way, is Father Christmas. No. Uh, <laughs> The, they became became a Christmas don't you mean show. Uncle Jones? Like he, <laughs> Uncle Father that was, Christmas. That was him in a costume, Matthew. <laughs> Uncle Father Christmas. He said that... He, he won't be on Strictly this year. Um, so, <laughs> so, the um, the Raymond Briggs adaptations became quite a Christmas fixture for her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> became quite a Christmas yeah. fixture for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. And the two that are... Oh, I enjoy in jokes I mean, that this, only this, two other people will get. There's been a... <laughs> One of whom definitely doesn't listen to this. Um, and, uh, oh, and that's another blooming Christmas. Five of them, all in all. But the two that stick out to me are be- because I also had the original um, sort of comics. Although it's weird to call them comics because then they were, you know, published as books. Yeah, but they're not picture books, but not thick enough to be graphic novels. No, but I guess they are graphic novels. Yes. Um, were the snowman? No. With the snowman and Father Christmas? Maybe. Although, so. And they do such a good job of just straight up recreating Raymond Briggs's art. Oh, it's and the mood stunning. of it. Yeah. Um, you know, with that soundtrack, is, is it Mel Smith who does Father Christmas in the Father Christmas one? I think it. I'm looking it up yeah. right now. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Just like wonderful uh, narration. Um. Oh, oh, they're referred to, the books are, are categorised as panel books. Panel books. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't know what the fuck that means. I guess that's a way of saying, well, it's not a comic, it's not a, it's not a comic no, book. No, no, it's not a comic book, because it's got Jimmy Carrey in it, it goes out on Channel 4. <laughs> 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 um, oh, God. Uh, uh, let's have a little gander. Whose laugh is worse, Jimmy Carr's or Ricky Gervais? Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is because Jimmy, Jimmy Carr's comes out of him like it's it's a surprise. <laughs> Plus, um, him being weird with his taxes one year is less egregious than Gervais normalizing transphobia and and non-binary uh, judgmental uh, states of mind. Jesus Christ, Chris! Don't get so triggered. Sorry, Donald Trump Jr. Sorry, did um, I... If he's still around, did I'm not I, in jail by the time this goes out. Did I offend you? <laughs> Good. Because I'm an atheist. Yeah, so am I. So am I, Ricky. It means I don't believe in anything. Cool, Ricky. That's nihilism. Cool, Ricky. Ricky. Guess what? I, I don't I don't grab um, people and scream that in their face, you twat. Uh, 
<laughs> but it's alright because he takes photos in the bath. So I'm Sid Jane now. Uh, Sid Gervais. Uh, indeed, um, it was Mel Smith in the UK playing Father Christmas. Oh, they changed it for the... In the US, it is William Dennis Hunt, who's uh, the, the Klingon Huraga in Deep Space Nine. Um, he was in Babylon 5. He was in Frasier. Um, oh, God. Known as in his role as Emperor Wang in the perverted in Flesh Gordon and Flesh Gordon meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders. Wow. The sexploitation movies. Wow. <laughs> um, you ready for this? Oh, this wow. is a heavily sanitized American. So, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the Father Christmas like with the book was turned into the animated uh, yeah. TV film, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's really daft, it's... and it's great because it's one of the few depictions of Father Christmas as a grumpy fucker. It's it's like, so look, fun, like a vuncular and grumpy. Yeah, like he's like your fucking um, begrudgingly uh, dragged out every Christmas granddad. Yes, that yeah. But um, he loves everything. The most famous um, word, like the most common used word in it is the word blooming, which is basically blooming Raymond Briggs' way of in the thing getting him to swear without ever swearing. Blooming chimneys. Because, like, I mean, one of the, the song is, the, the big song is like, for another blooming Christmas. The American version, this is my first time reading this. Oh, God. A I've heavily sanitised American version was produced. And it's not, it's not exactly risque, let's be fucking honest. The most notable change is that Father Christmas was revoiced by William Dennis Hunt, became much jollier, so oh, that'll be in the delivery, and all 76, 75 by Father Christmas, one by a child's voice in the song, instances of the word blooming were replaced with merry. Scenes where Father Christmas gets drunk, overeats, dances with chorus girls and suffers a hangover were removed. Also cut were a few candid moments showing the builder's bum. Like, whenever he bends over and you can't yeah, see his bum poking out. So, basically, we, they just removed all the charm from it. Yeah, they removed all the sort of... Oh, it's, I like that one because it's yeah. about him being a bit grumpy. They removed all the grump. Because, yeah, he is grumpy, but it's also fun. Yeah. nice and warm. It's like a warm hug of a little short animation. It's it's really nice. It's Bob-on. It's exactly what it's. 26 minutes long. Uh, Channel 4 went out Universal own it on home video so that'll be the DVD version but it is part of the Raymond Briggs cinematic universe I can't wait till they do the Christmas version of When the Wind Blows (laughs) because this was in 1990 (laughs) well this was in 1991 uh, cartoon and it is a spin-off slash mid-equal to the 1982 adaptation of the 78 book The Snowman It's a lot more maudlin and sort of sentimental than Father Christmas. Yeah, it's also, it's, it's also a minute a minute shorter. Yes. So that their caveat for that is, don't worry, but, we'll traumatise you for one less minute. But where, but whereas, where, whereas Father There's Christmas nine years is... years between them, it doesn't feel like that. The animation, know, right? the animation of Father Christmas is so, it's, it's so accurate to the style of the books that the fact that the two specials are nine years apart, mm. they look that you could box set them well, and they look like they were made at the same time. Especially because at one point they cross over. Yes. Father Christmas appears in the snowman in a scene and in Father Christmas we see that it's the same night as that story yes. and it is the same Father Christmas. It's not a separate thingy. The great thing about... <laughs> well, I, th- I I don't remember this effect so much from the snowman. From uh, from Father Christmas, sorry. But in the snowman it does feel... It feels like all the pencil strokes are in motion. 
Yes. God, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Um, but, it, you know, it is, even though they do cross over, there is, they are very different tones. Mm-hmm. Like, Father Christmas is, you know, fun and is grumpy and sort of irritable but still lovable. Whereas there's a, there's a sort of melancholy underlying in the in the snowman because with the inevitable loss of the titular um snowman i just found some real fun fucking trivia for this all right maybe with some fun fucking trivia okay so um there was a stage version of the snowman yes which again the the classic basic story is boy build snowman 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 comes comes to life. life they have lovely adventures he flies with the snowman to the north well a few places but to the north pole they have a party with like Santa and the reindeer and, and smells all the and snowmen shit. in the world. And all's great, and all the snowmen are there and having a ball over time. And then he gets back, and the snowman sort of like starts to melt, and then he melts. And goodbye, snowman. And we've had a wonderful time. And Alan Jones sings. Um, <laughs> the exact it's a song. It's gorgeous. But again, melancholy. Oh yeah. Like as uh, you know, as as a, as nice as that is, it is as a package. It is. It's, it ends, with, it ends with the titular character melting and going away forever. But it's also presented with... He dies. It's also presented with framing live-action narration. Well, well. From... Well, 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 well. Okay, well. all right, all right. So, with this. video game version, by the way, for the Spectrum Commodore 64 and MSX. I bet that looked, Released two years later. I bet that looked fucking great. <laughs> Oh, it's crashed. Fuck. Yeah. Um, quick, type out the 64 digit code to start it up again. Uh, there's been a stage version, of course. Uh, there have been reissues of the book uh, based off of the back of the popularity of the animated one, which has yes. used the sort of the animated one's like famous poster art and stuff as, I was as born its cover. So that's probably the version I had. It's entirely true. Now, the animated television special is the one we're talking about. Um, scored by Howard Blake, except for the song Walking in the Air, which is the only instance of words being used in it as well. That's yeah. something that's beautiful about this. The Father Christmas has got dialogue. Yeah. Well, well it's, be- more, it's more monologue than dialogue. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's what's beautiful about this one is that it's, it's you know, it's it's told in silence. It's, it's told yeah, it's, through it's, visuals. It's... And it's not quick and slapsticky and fast-paced and it still holds up today you can show it to kids now yeah. and they'll be completely well we did in. we did we got we got both the we, well, we got both the father christmas because he's father christmas father christmas goes on holiday oh and yeah there's the yeah. snowman there's also someone in the snow dog but we don't have that one i don't know why they didn't come as a set who but we got them for who voices for the him for father christmas goes on holiday oh you mean the books no, they did that in the thing as well. It's a televised one of Father Christmas. Oh god, they've not listed it. Oh. Unless they, unless they might be a different animation. Unless they rope one. it into Father Christmas and do him as one, maybe. Maybe. And that's why it comes as a set. I know he goes. I know he goes away at some point during it because he. Yeah, they, so the yeah, so they rope and. Yes, all flirty. Yeah, they put dirty them, flirty. They put them both in. They put them both into Father Christmas. No, the blooming hard on. Oh, it's the animated version. So the opening narration to it. Yeah. Was because uh, there was narration at the top end. I remember that winter because it had brought the heaviest snow I had ever seen. Snow had fallen steadily all night long, and in the morning Doing I woke in a room filled with light and silence. But it's not him originally. You see, ah. the whole world seems to be held in a dreamlike stillness. It was a magical day, and it was on that day I made the snowman. And that's your introduction. Now, 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 alternative beginnings. Yeah. After the initial showing on Channel 4, and in its initial showings on television in the United States, an alternative introduction was sometimes used. 
Instead of Raymond Briggs describing in voiceover how much it had snowed that winter while walking through the field that morphed into the animation of the same landscape, David mm-hmm. Bowie mm. was shown reciting a different speech after walking into the attic of his childhood home and discovering a scarf in a drawer and then telling the same story. That's the, that's that's the, the version, version I grew up with. Yeah. That's the version I've got. Now, that... You probably had, when as a kid, did you have it to hand? I didn't have it as a kid, but I'd seen it as a kid with the narration. So the DVD you've got now has the, the Bowie version. The DVD I've got okay. is the Bowie version. So uh, the version I had the Bowie was, the version I had was taped, <laughs> the version I had was taped off the telly yeah. and it had the Bowie introduction. Yeah. But we got hold of a VHS copy of my dad's eventually, which has the Raymond Briggs narrated introduction. Ah. Um, now, appar- apparently, 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 um, uh, let's have a little look. Uh, scarf resembles the one given to him close to the end of the film. Here's interesting. The scarf uh, close resembles the one given to him by the end of the film. The Universal DVD set, The Snowman and Father Christmas, released in the United Kingdom in 2000, reissued many times since, uh, uses the Bowie opening. Despite being featured on the packaging, some of the United States DVDs from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment don't have the David Bowie opening. So that's Imagine picking it up and be like, it's James Bowie. really weird. To celebrate the film's 20th anniversary, Channel 4 created an alternate opening directed by Roger Mainwood with Raymond Briggs' interpretation of Father Christmas recounting how he met the boy as well as mentioning how heavy the snow from that winter had him grounded. Comedian Mel Smith reprised the Father Christmas role for this opening. This version is also cropped to 69 widescreen. Now I have vague memories of that. Stop I have vague memories. that shit. I have vague memories of a version beginning with animated Santa giving it a prologue. Yeah. So I must have seen that one go out in 2002. Uh, Channel 4 used this opening from 2002, oh, until Mel Smith's, Mel Smith's death in 2013 when the Bowie introduction returned, returning the film to its original aspect ratio. The 30th anniversary Blu-ray does not use any of the openings. What the fuck? But includes all three as a bonus feature. So the Blu-ray version has fuck all at the top, but if you want to watch an introduction, you can. I don't understand that. Don't get it. Why wouldn't you just don't have all it. three as an option rather than not have anything at all? I don't know. It's like, mm, you can have mash, <laughs> you can have chips, or you can have Fucking nothing! Well, I guess the answer is fucking nothing. <laughs> um, and also, you were talking about like the pastel-y quality of it all. Mm. Um, films produced using traditional animation techniques consisting primarily of pastels and crayons. Mm. So the reason why it has that illustrated look done so well is they went, yeah, let's, let's just do it that way. Let's okay. just illustrate it with pastels and crayons. Which is why it looks like everything's constantly in motion. It's... Beautiful. It is. It's a really beautiful piece. Yeah. Apparently, the background artist uh, used the same stuff, but they were the ones who kept the skeleton of it, you and then everyone, everyone animated over the top of it. So normally, you'd have like sort of very uh, loose, kind of schematic-y looking things or whatever, and instead they were like, "No, we'll do it with the same stuff." So that's probably why there's multiple layers of it all moving. It's gorgeous. What I'm basically saying is the snowman's great. And you should bloody watch it. Which ever and, intro and, you desire, and or read it. Did you know I was a little boy one day? The snow was so heavy that one time. I, was a... <laughs> I, had, I had to wear a scarf and nothing else. I had to wear a <laughs> scarf and nothing else. I had to wear a little red scarf. And the snowman took me into the sky. All my friends have melted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mother, I told my mother and she said the snowman melted because you touch yourself. God has taken him away. The snowman left you just like your father did. God has taken my snowman away <laughs> because I played with myself today. Why are we bad people, Chris? <laughs> well, we're not the worst people because we could be living in Royston Vasey. One of my favourite TV Christmas specials of all freaking time is the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. This is from, if I remember correctly, it's either 2000 or 2001. It's between series two and three. Yes. And you don't need to have watched any League of Gentlemen to understand it. But you do need to have watched some League of Gentlemen for your life to have meaning and purpose. Yes, but plus it does help for a few little nods and references that occur throughout it. Um, set between You're the second and third series, it features Benice, Reverend Benice. <laughs> Benice Woodall uh, closing up the church on Christmas Eve, only to be accosted three separate times by residents of Royston Vasey who have a horrible tale to tell lest they be driven mad. Oh, and similarly to the um, the structure of Charles Dickens's classic... A Christmas Carol! Well, albeit that, but also very heavily inspired by the trilogy of terror. Um, because <laughs> this is League of Gentlemen. It's a comedy, but it's not necessarily a laugh-a-minute thing. It's a, oh, I shouldn't be chuckling at this kind of thing. Um, it's the first episode of the League of Gentlemen TV show presented without a laugh track, which then continues on to series three and the specials yeah, year from that, a couple of years ago. I think that's part of the reason why this series, the third series feels so much darker. I love the third series so freaking much. So good. But I, know, I know it has its detractors because they're like, it's not sketches anymore. It's like, yeah, but isn't that interesting? It's evolved. Isn't that interesting that these characters are so well defined that we can have, suddenly the show has, an, episodes are about mm. one character mm. and there's a subplot to give you a little sketch element like, if you really want it, here's a little subplot that runs alongside it, or here's a one-off character we meet once. And there you go. But the Christmas special is, is, is an hour and a bit long, and Benice is visited by Charlie, who confesses a horrible dream he's been having, which results in uh, his wife Stella getting involved in some naughty uh, naughty antics. Uh, voodoo. There's a cult of, uh, of, of voodoo using uh, female characters from the from the town of Roast and Vasey. Which results in one of my favourite fucking gags in the whole thing. Because she shows up and it's the, the password for it is... Um, she hit shit, Stella hits the buzzer. And this voice goes, password, please. She just goes, prawn toast. And it's the weirdest delivery because, like, Rishi Smith, Stella. Stella never talks like that. So it's like, is this Stella's posh phone voice? Like, what a weird choice. <gasps> but also, if you find the Easter egg on the DVD menus, uh, a game of Hangman appears. If you type in prawn toast, you get to the Easter egg. Fucking um, hell. But then she shows up to the meeting and they're all wearing, like, the white, you know, the white plain masks covering their faces, which is great because it, it means for the first time the show has run, you have a shitload of characters played by the same <laughs> actors in the same scene because obviously you've got other people standing in for them. Oh, and the Easter egg is that scene without the dubbing. And it just sounds oh. really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. really good. But Stella rocks up and her mask is Postman Pat. And they're like, the mask is not necessary. Remove it, please. She's like, oh, sorry. It's... Yeah, but they saw Spider-Man, so... <laughs> it's just this fucking wonderful thing. Uh, the second story, this old bedraggled man comes to, to relay the story of a, an encounter with vampires he had in Berlin. Um, <laughs> no, 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 sorry, no, no, in Duisburg. In uh, in the uh, the 70s. 
So you get a hair lip story. Um, of course you do. Leave Tweesberg tonight. Um, <laughs> Steve Pemberton and Mark Gatiss get to play some really horrific prosthetics in this. It's great. And then the last story, Dr. Chinnery has to confess the reason for all the fatalities in his, in his job as a vet is due to a curse placed on his family four generations prior. And we go back to Victorian London and learn the story of... Uh, his ter- the, the previous Chittery's term at Boothby, um, was it something Boothby and Canker? Uh, <laughs> we learn of the curse of the monkey's bollocks. It's so good. But a, per- a, a Boothby per Boothby Purview and Canker, I think it is. But it's like, <laughs> but it's a makeup treat. Like the the stuff they get to play with in this is wonderful. Because um, there's two period stories, one in the seventies, one in Victorian London. But also, the wraparound of Bernice suggests that there's something else going on and her hatred of Christmas stems from a specific incident which rears its ugly head in the closing minutes in true Trilogy of Terror style. Like, here's the horrible thing that to wrap up the story with. It's so dark and uncomfortable. Because it's the League of Gentlemen! Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely the, the single most, the single darkest episode of that run of the, the, the original run of the show. Yeah. Like there's darker things happen over the course of the show, but just for an hour of, oh, this is really horrible to watch and sit through. It's really dark, but fuck it, I'm laughing my arse off. It's it's so good. So I'm a proto inside number nine. And if you want to, well, we'll get back to that. And if you want to follow it up, um, the their second live tour, The League of Gentlemen Are Behind You, is also another Christmas special that I really like. Because it's... The first art. <laughs> it's the only DVD that we have definitely watched every Christmas for like the last seven years. Because like with me doing Panto, usually Lucy and I get to see each other a bit on Christmas Day, and the only thing we've full on picked to watch every time without fail has been the League of Gentlemen are behind you, because <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, nice. The first half of it is legs akimbo have been hired to uh, the theatre company have been hired to put on a community nativity or as Ollie Plimsolls calls it community <laughs> based on this book the bible no no it's not Harry Potter but it's a bit Harry Potter if you think a bit like Harry Potter if you think about it there's a boy in here who can do magic <laughs> except he didn't have any glasses they didn't have them then and he doesn't have a ginger friend um <laughs> <laughs> That's well, mate. It's fucking great. He goes, to, he goes to the council to pitch, like, doing a, a Bible story for Christmas. And they, they said, like, you know, King Herod, story of Jesus, uh, King Herod, uh, killing the firstborn of every family. They said, Mr. Plimsolls, can we stop you there? I said, you can't. I want to fill this stage with dead babies! <laughs> I didn't get the job. But their loss is your gain. Um, oh, it's it's so God. good. So the first half is people auditioning for the community, people getting ready to go and see it. So you get characters like hair, your hair lip and um, Lancer runs the joke shop and all these characters popping up in the first half. Uh, it ends with everything going to shit during the dress run at the end of Act 1. And then Act 2 opens with a voiceover saying uh, that the, tonight's performance of Royston Vasey's community uh, has unfortunately been cancelled. Instead, please welcome the Royston Vasey players as we present our one-off pantomime, Cinder Dick Gets Wood in the Seven Pussies. And the second half... (laughs) Fuck off! (laughs) And the second half is just a panto, but obviously not 
for a family audience. No! So this one breaks the continuity. It's just a panto using characters that haven't been on stage yet. So, like, Pauline is the dame. And she makes a big she makes a big thing of being like, you know, now I know, I know, it's a bit last minute. Normally the dame is a man dressed as a woman, but what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> for, the, for those listening at home, it's Steve Pemberton yeah, playing Steve Pemberton Pauline. Play Pauline yeah. Um... It's like Mickey's in it. Um, freaking, they bring, they bring in Barry Bags. Do you remember the subplot in series three of the the debt collection uh, agency? The fucking agency. Steve Pemberton plays this 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 uh, like grossly overweight guy who fucks up on getting the take back from the customers, oh. and the, the it's one of the most uncomfortable finishes because they go back him and Mark Gates' character go back to the their boss. There's this guy called Liz Gold, played by Barry Shearsmith, who basically just beats the shit out of him with a belt. And tells him his shit, and that's the conclusion of it. And it's like, oh my god! <laughs> like, there's no, there's no follow up. Oh no, the the, the, the thing he's, he's like, right. And then the next day, there's the old woman who owes him a fiver, and he just rugby tackles her, and that's the close of that joke. But it's like it was one of the saddest, darkest ones they ever did. Yeah. So Barry Bags and and uh, Lizgo appear in the panto half of the live show, and in the commentary they say it was sort of our way of giving Barry a, a bit of a happier sketch to be in yeah because he's a nice character he's just shit at his job so in this he, he got there's the classic kind of like oh, you owe me 100 pounds it's like right okay one two three so like, oh did you, you, you have many members in your family yeah i've got lots of brothers how many 14 14 15 16 so. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know that kind of thing it's a classic kind of one of them routines which is really nice uh chinnery appears so we get some gross animal shit going on on stage good, good. of course tubs and edward uh, Hilary Briss and Papa Lazarou all make appearances in the Papa Lazarou specifically playing the villain Papa Abanazaru. Fuck! <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Um, so yeah, I recommend League of Gentlemen are behind you. Fuck off. Do you want? To, shall I talk a bit? Do you want me to talk a bit about turn number nine? Should we segue into it while you mentally recover? Fuck off! Yeah, you may as well. They in, are linked. Inside yeah, number nine, heart, uh, which yeah is by Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton, the anthology horror comedy drama series, uh, has a Christmas episode. It, it oh, was aired man. as a Christmas special. Uh, it's the start of series three, and it was aired on like the week after Christmas on BBC Two, and then the rest of the series went out uh, a month later. Uh, it's called The Devil of Christmas. And what's really fucking great about this one is it's it's just an old sort of portmanteau horror kind of thing. It's them dipping back into that the love of that genre. Yeah. It's shot like a an early 1970s made-for-TV drama. Like, right down to the, the look of it. In real life, they used those older cameras to shoot it just so they didn't have to do too much digital, digital fuckery. They're like, no, like, let's just... Let's just get hold of some knackered cameras from the mid-70s and film it like that. <laughs> it's as hammy as you like. It's a rich family who've got some marital troubles and stuff going wrong with one of the kids. Go to a lodge on a big holiday and there's a, 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 a sort of exaggerated like um, a foreign guide who's helping them settle in, played by Reese Shearsmith and all this, uh, where they just go to this cabin ski lodge for a week. Uh, and they're dealing with all this shite in their lives. But uh, meanwhile, weird shit begins to happen that may or may not have something to do with the Krampus. Um, <laughs> but about five yeah, minutes... Yeah, Del Toro. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was in this. No, 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 no. no. He's everyone's favourite Krampus. <laughs> okay. This Krampus is, is much less uh, favourite, friendly, nicey, lovely, warmy, films don't get madey, but by God, we love him. Um, 
I just fucking love film. About five minutes in, <laughs> the commentary starts. Oh God! Where this this moderator is is talking to the director of the special. Um, and they like rewind a scene for a moment to go back to something he missed. Oh, God. And the the commentary the commentary like the director's voice is such a wonderfully recognizable voice. It's Derek Jacobi, and it's like oh, this is oh. great. And it's just you sort of like. Okay. Derek Jacoby. Wasn't expecting it to be... Th- okay, because inside number nine, for those who don't know, the basic premise is that like, every story takes place in or around something that would be inside a number nine, be it a flat number, a house, uh, a property box, an ex- exhibition hall, um, things like that. And and in this case, number nine is the lodge. Yes. Um, uh, in, in, the, in the television drama. Um, by the end, though, it does even more shit where you go... Oh, good Lord. I didn't think this was where it was going to go. Okay. I won't say anything else, but if you like your Christmas to end on a really really uncomfortably dark note, watch The Devil of Christmas. I really need to watch more Inside Number Nine. I think the the complete four series so far are on Netflix. The first three are definitely on Netflix. I think think the fourth... If it's not on there yet... I think, oh, it might be an iPlayer. Oh, yeah. It yeah, might be yeah, an iPlayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which means you can also watch... Oh, well, you've already seen it because we talked about it, but um, oh, that was the Halloween, so good. the live ones on there as well. So, so good. Uh, new series starts in the new year. Oh, excellent. So I'm really excellent. happy about that. Freaking love Inside Number 9. What do you love, Matthew? Um, with your dreams and mind? Aside from tickling the dog who's turned well, into an absolute wet sack of floppiness next to you at the so moment. Seen as, seen as we're on a bit oh, of a... Oh, she's gone. Again, this is one I haven't watched for ages, so it's not one I can talk too much in detail about, but it is a good one, uh, because it's the only appearance of, I think, of Victorian Blackadder. It is, of course, yeah. Blackadder's Christmas Carol, which is a reverse Christmas Carol with Blackadder, was making the sort of pushover, milksop, super nice uh, Victorian Blackadder. Into a real mean cunt. Oh, Blackadder Christmas, Blackadder's Christmas Carol is amazing. And it's because of that inversion. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, smart. It's way the only it. time we meet like, an Edmund who is a nice person. And then, it's, and it's also, it's also <laughs> the idea of doing a backwards Christmas Carol is kind of neat. And it's got a great guest cast of like Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane, I always remember from that. Uh, yeah. Miriam Margulies. I think you see Jim Broadbent playing Prince Albert? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> playing Queen Victoria, um, and yeah, just <laughs> all builds up to that very sad. After he's been, after he's had people coming and taking everything he owns yeah. for Christmas, he just builds up to the climax of everyone coming in for more stuff and him telling him to fuck the fuck off. <laughs> what happened to the milk of human kindness, sir? It's gone off, Baldrick. <laughs> it's just. Again, it, that's definitely <laughs> going to be repeated at least. It must be at, at some point. At least twice. It this must be. Christmas. And also, I'm I'm happy to say that it now appears pretty much in every collection. Of yeah, Black yeah, because like, it's it's not but, really attached to any of the series. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the collections in the past have just included Blackadder, the Blackadder, Blackadder Two, Blackadder the Third, and Blackadder Goes Forth. Yeah, but every collection nowadays tends to include Blackadder's Christmas Carol. And um, back and forth, and back and forth, yeah. yeah. Um, which was the the Millennium Dome produced special, which then got a commercial release on Sky. Back and, when, uh, yeah, back when Richard Curtis actually wrote funny things <laughs> instead now, of come on instead of overly sentimental. Hey, come on! He wrote Vincent and the Doctor. 
which is Overly a wonderful piece. She's a wonderful piece of drama, no, it is, it is. but was also probably written over ten years ago. So yeah. come on, come on, Richard, get back on your horse. Look at his horse. Look. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, also, I think we we need to just briefly mention it to address the elephant in the room. Oh, uh, the missing elephant in the room. Oh, shall we say? Um, two things. Oh, we, we've already talked about Doctor Who Christmas specials before. Not all of them, but some of them. So we're not going to touch on those for too long. <laughs> but we are going to talk about briefly the fact that oh yeah, remember the Feast of Stephen, the only Christmas episode in the original run that's now missing and will probably and will almost definitely never be recovered it, because it's I think the only episode that they've turned around and said yeah, there's definitely not an extant copy of this yeah knocking around. And the, also, the most, the most we've got is those grainy stills with the audio for that last bit. And Billy Hartnell. <laughs> and a minute Christmas to you at home. It is deadly, very very Christmas to you at home. Like the absolute like director defying fourth it, it, wall it's break. It's like episode. It's like episode, it's episode seven, seven of Dalek Master Plan. Plan. So it's literally just a breather episode in the middle of that. Yeah, so in the, in the middle of it, we get an episode set. And it's a Christmassy setting, and there's shit going on. And then at the very end, the Doctor brings out like a tray of it's like books, fizz, or champagne yeah. or something. Is it a mulled wine? And and who's in the TARDIS at this point? It's um, it's, it's Stephen, Sarah Kingdom, Sarah Kingdom at this point. Is Katarina yeah, in the TARDIS? No, Katarina dies in like episode three or four. Oh yeah, Katarina. Yeah, Katarina. The... Katarina's in the the first sort of half of it. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah's in the second half, and then she get bumped off in the next story. Sarah dies at the end of Dark. Oh Christ, alive! So yeah. So, but at least she gets a glass of champers. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And. and Will Hartnell said he wanted to say something. He wanted to like, and of course, this is back in the day where the like news. they had a time limit; they had to record yeah. and get out the studio by a certain time, and this they were already pushing it. And also, you can't break like, the fourth. Yeah, wall. the director said, "Please don't do that because it's just a light entertainment show. This is a drama and a, 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 a children's and family show, so don't you know, don't do that." And Will went, "Okay," and then on the take fucking turns to the camera and says and incidentally a Merry Christmas to you all of you at home hmm. and takes a sip from his drink and they didn't have time to redo it and I'm glad that they didn't I think that's fucking wonderful imagine being a kid in was it 1965 uh, yeah, imagine being it? a kid back then and Doctor Who turns to the camera and wishes you Merry Christmas before the episode goes off and you Pretty don't see him for a week Pretty good. that's fucking great come on Pretty good. I'd, I'd like it if Doctor Who experimented with storytelling, visual storytelling styles a bit every now and again. I'm not yeah. a huge... I'm one of the people who's not a huge fan of Listen, but I love that it opens with him just addressing camera and talking to camera for two yeah. minutes. Like, it's like, cool, sure, like, whatever. I remember quite liking Listen. When the show's existed, like, it's it's a show that its setting is not limited because of, of, of the character and where how the character travels and everything. Yeah. So why limit the, n- the narrative style to the same style every episode. Chucking a, chucking something a bit different every now and again. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why the fuck not? Why not indeed? Yeah, no. So I, I, I'm glad that racist old bastard <laughs> wished us all a Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> my boy! Me too, Christopher. <laughs> Hashtag me too, my boy! Oh. <laughs> oh. Do you remember when they rebooted him when he was a sexist? Oh. Fucking hell. 
Oh, good lord. But yeah, and also, like, because we, we were looking at the Christmas specials and everything before, um, Unquiet Dead is technically a Christmas episode. Yeah. Set on Christmas yeah. Eve. Um, I, it's I, about I, Charles Dickens. I was racking my it's brain. It's about ghosts at Christmas and, and Mr. Sneed and Gwyneth. I was racking my brain and I couldn't think For of shame. any... For shame. Um, First proper mention of the big bad wolf. You're the big bad wolf. Eve Miles is glorious in it. The guy plays Mr. Sneed, bloody brilliant. Yeah. Chris and Billy are great, as fucking always. As always. And Simon Callow as Charles Dickens is wonderful. What's not to like? Um, I mean, if you hate the Welsh. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, We're kidding. We, we love the Welsh. No, we, 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 we're being facetious for comedy. We do love the Welsh. We just couldn't eat a whole one. Hey. So, yeah. We um, love the rabbit. What's your favourite Doctor Who Christmas special like the ones that currently exist? Um, I think we've talked about this before. Quite I possibly. can't remember what I said. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say... Probably the Christmas Invasion. For me, it's Christmas Invasion or Christmas Carol. I don't like Christmas Carol. I like Christmas Carol quite a bit. I don't like it at all. And I'll tell you for why. It's the only one of all the Christmas specials that actually sort of feels like it specifically is a Christmas special. I don't think I actually... The rest of them just put them at Christmas and Christmas things happen, and that's fine. But that's the one where it's like, Christmas is a setting. Christmas is a big part of this. We are harking to one of the most famous Christmas stories ever in a very, very obvious way that actually thematically happens in the story. Yeah. And um, also Catherine Jenkins. Yeah. No, so. granted. I don't think I actually really like, really like, really like any of the post-Runaway Bride Christmas specials. Voyage of the Dam's great. Voyage of the Dam gets, oh, yeah. Voyage of the Dam gets better. Runaway Bride, yeah, yeah. Voyage of the Dam gets better and better with every revisit for and that's, me. That's me Because getting... it's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. That's me getting mixed up. In terms of which ones are which, that's why. You're not, not big uh, on the next Doctor. It's got, not, it's, got it's, it's got it's got it's got it's got it's fine. It's got a giant Cyberman. That's pretty cool. And End of Time Part One doesn't really count, does no, it? No, no. Um, I mean, it does. It takes place in the week up to Christmas, and it it gives us one of the most used gifts around Christmas time ever. Bernard Cribbins as well for his reindeer thing. Yeah, it's quite Just good. Take those off. No, I shan't. It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bloody wonderful. That is bloody wonderful. Actually. Um, <laughs> I d- yeah, I don't think there's any other Matt Smith ones I like. No. No. I hate Doctor and the Widow and the Wardrobe because the message at the end is don't worry, your dead parent will come back. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, isn't it? It's just an odd one. There's weird. nice stuff in it. Who is it? Who's, who's the lead in it? Uh, something. Or am I wrong? <sighs> I can't recall now. But like she Is and Matt... Foy? Not Claire Foy. Claire Skinner? Maybe. Yeah. She and Matt have some really nice back and forth in it that's quite good. But apart from that, it's just... Ugh. It's a waste of Bill Bailey. And... It is a waste of Bill Bailey. The kind of tradition of, in the of same comedy, way comedy that... actors being kind of misused. Nick Frost. Yeah. Last cri- See, Last Christmas, I would hate less if the ending wasn't such a cop-out. Yeah. Yeah, if that had um, actually been the ending it was originally meant to be. Yeah, like, uh, it would be, I'd, I'd respect it a lot more as a result. Um, I'd respect it, period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like Twice Upon a Time. I don't like... No. Um, no. Time and the Doctor that much. And What's the other Matt Smith one? The Snowmen? The, I like the Snowmen. I like the Snowmen. 
Um, the problem is now because of how much I don't like Clara. Oh yeah, the snowman is actually the snowman is actually all right, isn't it? But it's it's sort of a waste of you, McKellen, Rich D. Grant, and yeah, and begins the downfall because it's like the second version of Clara that you meet, and like Oswin, she's really interesting, and then we meet Clara, Clara, and she's the least interesting of the three. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh great. Um, yeah. Governor, Governor's Clara is great. I feel like that concept kind of fell on its ass. Yeah. And, uh, God, what else is it? What's the Capaldi one? Last Christmas, twice upon a time, I'm sure he's got another Oh, Doctor Mysterio. Oh, oh, and the Husband's a River Song. He gets yeah. four. I don't Dr. like... Mysterio's fine. I don't like that one. And Husband's I, a River Song is fine. I like one scene in Husband's a River Song. I like one scene. And it's the bit where she's the the held up at the, the 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 thingy interrogation thing at the table. Oh yeah, the trade. yeah. That's done really well, and the ending of it is really nice, where she's like bollocking yeah. him and basically like she's ha- ranting that he's not there and he's fucked up again and this other because he's always there for me. This other and that slow realization finally of oh yeah, it's you. It just, it, it, Alex Kingston's performance at that moment is glorious. The way it just kind of dawns on her face, and she just looks at him, and it's the only time where I don't want to puke where a character overuses it. And he just goes, hello, sweetie. And it's like, oh, this is so good. This is great. It's a shame the rest of this episode is a thing. Yeah. Uh, Feast of Stephen is the best Doctor Who Christmas Greg Davies being criminally underused. Yeah. Misused. Yeah. They get these big, they get these, like, comic names Mm. for the Christmas specials and always fuck it up. With the exception of Catherine Tate and Wilbur Brad. Yes, oh, which is great. But then, but then she's better later when she comes back. Granted, yeah, granted. But <laughs> for that one-off, that character of Donna, who actually, is just a one-off, works really well. They actually do a, a good job of not falling into the same trap that Moffat fell in every time he went up against it. Yeah. And in the Christmas specials of like, we've got this actress who's known for a certain thing. Let's just have her do that. Yeah. Or, or alternatively, just be shouty. Um, best use of a get best use of a guest actor in a Doctor Who Christmas special. I think it's probably Sarah Parrish as the Empress of the Ragnos. Yeah, because she just goes for it. Yeah, that's and is having great. a fucking ball doing it. It's pretty great. I'm not um, gonna lie, it's a damn fine performance. Pretty great. <laughs> close, close second is a tie between Kylie Minogue as Astrid and and. Um, and uh, and and oh my god! I said a name like a minute ago, and I've already forgotten it. Catherine, Catherine Jenkins, um, <laughs> oh, as, as, as uh, what's her face? Fucking Gambon was in that. He was. He was good in it. He was good. He got, like he got to play. Carol. He got to play something that no other actor really gets to play in the show, which is we see a character as much as change like, as his past is being altered. As much as I like sharks in the fog. I don't like Christmas Carol. He says he's, he gets the psychic paper out and he says, that, don't worry, I'm a mature and responsible adult. The kid says it's just squiggly lines. He's like, oh, finally, I lie too big. Hey! Uh, there's, just, there's so many nice little... And I love the fact that the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas yet to come end up... But the ghost of Christmas yet to come ends up being younger Kazran seeing his older self. Yeah. And the ghost of Christmas present is a hologram of Amy in a fucking policewoman's uniform because she's having a kinky honeymoon being projected down to basically be like, look, 
We're all going to fucking die. People are going to die on this spaceship. I'm just here to show you that. Can you hear those noises? That's the noises of everybody crying. Like Families are on this fucking thing that are going to die because of you. That's it. Bye, you twat. Like that's how Christmas present goes to Christmas present. Like, Bye, you twat. Input. I love it. Um, I do love the montage of them revisiting her every year. Where he's like, Merry Christmas! Like, opening the door, and it's just this, this brief montage of, like, young Kazran getting older and the Doctor with him, and they're all just wearing slightly different things each time. <laughs> Matt Smith is so good. He is. He's he was so a good, good. Oh, my God, he's great. He was a good Doctor, and I liked him. <laughs> um, should we talk we about... We'll always remember when the Doctor was him. Because <laughs> his tenure was mostly terrible, but he was consistently excellent. God damn it. Um, should we talk about... No. A Christmas special that is... Even darker than the uh, gentleman and inside number nine ones. Uh, Muppets present letters to Santa. No, we we should talk about that. Uh, I've never it, seen it. It's my entire thoughts. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's a pretty sweet Christmas special. Is that like you've got to say about the Muppets letters to Santa? It's like an hour long. It's one of two Christmas specials they made for TV. The other was a very Muppet Christmas, and. They're both really cute. They've got lots of lovely things in it, like Whoopi Goldberg's in one. Oh, that is sweet. Mel Brooks voices a snowman in one of them. <laughs> There's a bigger focus on characters like Pepe. And, and yeah, it's early 2000s made-for-TV Muppet stuff on ABC, which you can get on DVD here in the UK. I highly recommend them. Sounds good. You can have a, you can have a Muppets Christmas movie night with the Christmas Carol and those no. two. Treat yourself. Um, there you go. <laughs> What's the darkest one on your list, Sonny Boy Laddie Jim Holes? One on my list, absolutely it is. Black Mirror White Christmas. <gasps> right, uh, nothing is ever too dark when it's got a lovely slice of ham in it. <sighs> Who is it? It's Rafe Spall and John Ham. Yeah, um, in the first anthology episode yes. of the anthology show Black Mirror, because uh, we don't get we get another one. We get the the Black Museum. A few seasons later, yes, as an anthology I one. Seen. It's very good. I'm and really good. It's got um, Letitia Wright in it. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's really really good. I'm going to bring up the cast for um, White Christmas because it's very good. Oh, I know one of them because uh, one of them's a friend of mine. <laughs> hey, uh, undergoes a horrible story. It's the so the, the main wraparound is um, is two gentlemen in this cabin. Yes, and they're having a conversation, and, and it's like to be in some sort of. Like winter, like Arctic or Antarctic, yeah. Research thing, and Rafe Spall's character, like it becomes evident over the conversation that Rafe Spall's character doesn't actually quite know why he's there, yeah, and doesn't really know what's happening. But it felt familiar. And John Hamm's a very friendly, lovely, wonderful, talkative dude who's sort of trying to get stuff out of him, and he starts yeah. telling him these stories. Um, without spoiling it too much, you realise by the end of it, the whole thing is kind of a procedure, lead, something leading to getting some answers. But the stories, as it turns out from the, the ending scene, it's implied very heavily that the stories were all true. They weren't yes. all made up. Uh, one of which is the one I was talking about is uh, John Hamm's career is basically like a... Oh, what's He's the... a pickup artist. Pickup artist. But a pickup artist that goes with you on your dates yeah. and whispers so you... advice into <clears throat> your ear. Yeah. Um, and the, the, a lifestyle coach, the, shall we the, say. The, the young fellow that he spends his time with is played by Rasmus Hardiker. Um, yeah, aka my dog Nasha, um, <laughs> and that one is, I mean, that's already uncomfortable because it's the world of like dating and someone being really insecure yeah. and nervous. But the conclusion of it is fucking horrible. It is. Um, 
Oof. Oh, the other two stories are one of them is about blocking people. It's a social media thing. We like block people out of your life. Um, it is Rafe's ball is blocked. You you have it where you, where you can be blocked by someone and, it, and yeah because everyone's now got these ocular implants. Mm-hmm. You are literally blocked and muted from their field of vision. Yeah, you just appear as a blur, and they hear a very faint muted kind of and, muffled sound, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and he's blocked by his wife, and then she has their daughter. Yes. And he can't <gasps> see his own yeah. daughter until his wife dies, and then that reveals something, which I'm not going to get into. Yeah. Because fucking yeah. hell. Fucking yeah. hell. What's the third story? What was the... Uh, the third one is, is not It's not so much a... Uh, a tale. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not so much a a, a, a it's, it's sort of explains the idea of the of the little of the pill, and it's like the little thing that is that you put a version of yeah like an AI copy of your consciousness, which then can rule your house. Yeah, and it's very and that was John. That was one of John Hamm's jobs mm. before this. Was he was he created, extracted and created the AIs and trained mm. them. Um, yeah, that was fucking. Yeah. Woof. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it is brutal. It's it's tough. It is really brutal. It is tough. It's all. It's also the first um the first story sort of in it that makes nods to other Black Mirror stories because there's this whole thing of people going, "Oh my god, they have yeah. a shared continuity," and it's like Charlie Brooker said, "No." But as a TV program, we happily make references to other episodes. Yeah. Because we're proud of everything we've made, and we As like well, the idea. We like be. the idea like, of like, Easter eggs. Fucking great stuff. Black Museum in series five, four, five confuses that even more because there are direct references in that yeah. to previous stories. But it's the setting of that one is ambiguous enough that it's like, yeah, this could, this one could exist in a world where some of them all existed in the same world. And it's confused even more by Bandersnatch. Yes. Christ. <laughs> Basically, the show likes to reference itself. Yeah. Sometimes within in-universe things or sometimes just with like visual nods and yeah. cues. Um, but White Christmas is, it was the last Channel 4 one as well. It was the last original run. Um, Series one, two, and, and White yeah, Christmas. Yeah, of course. After that, it became uh, Netflix show. Netflix show. Uh, although it's now starting to get physical releases, Netflix tend to do that, don't they? After like yeah, a they, year, they, they, they hold together. it back quite a bit, but yeah, they do do that. Because um, I'm waiting for all the mar- yeah. I'm waiting for all the MCU ones to drop to a reasonable price, then I'm going to snatch them up so that I've got them on Blu-ray. So if, the- all, so if it all goes to shit, I can just stick Luke Cage on whenever I want and watch do, it. Do you have another uh, one you want to talk about? Shall I rattle off a few quick ones from my list? Uh, well, I've got a little, quick, a little quick one, not specifically. There's quite a few of them and it always tends to come back for more every few years. What's but, that? Uh, Vicar Dibley's a bit of a staple of Christmas, yeah. isn't it? Yeah! Vicar Dibley is a sort of a Christmas staple because it finished... It had a Christmas special, if I remember correctly, before it ended. Yeah. And then it came back for like a Christmas special and it's had like an Easter or a New Year's one. But whenever it does return, it returns at Christmas. Uh, for those who don't remember, it's a sitcom starring Dawn French. That's all you need to know. Dawn French is wonderful and it's a she sitcom with her as the main Vicar character. She is the of Dibley. Um, and she... Uh, they probably won't do any more now, actually, though. Thinking about it. Because uh, the actress who played Alice passed away, isn't she? Yeah. Um, I think a couple of the other... Some more other members of the cast have also passed away since, I think. Is Roger Lowe Pack with us? I think he might have. You know what? I oh my god, know. are we about to look at the list of the I'm dead? A, I'm about to Google... Oh, here we go. Is Roger Lloyd Pack still alive? Don't know if he is. Yeah, it might have been a couple of years ago. 
Oh, God. For those who are confused... He passed away in 2014. God damn it. Roger Lopak was Trigger in... Um, what do you call it? Uh, Trigger All in Huffles and Horses. And, horses yeah. and was... Uh, <laughs> for our nerd listeners, he was John Lumick in uh, Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel. From beyond the grave. How will you do that? From beyond the grave. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Budget Davros. What? Um, oh, God. So that is not. Um, well, Vicar of Dibley is always a fun one. And again, those yeah. repeats circulate like Billy-O around Christmas time. Uh, Father Ted, a Christmassy Ted, is Fuck another Graham one Lenehan, I want to read. Fuck Graham Lenehan. But Father Ted, a Christmassy Ted, yeah. is probably one of the strongest episodes of that show's three series. From what I remember, it's got some pretty good fucking gags in it. Oh, God. Well, uh, like I said to you, the one that stood out to me the moment it even came to mind is the entire bit where briefly Ted and Dougal end up in... They're in a department store and they just end up in the ladies' uh, lingerie section mm. and they realise where they are and they're like, oh God, we need to get out of here. It's like, this is a whole... So one person spreads the word that a priest was stood around the ladies' underwear section. That's a scandal. So it turns into this <laughs> into this sort of, like, them trying to get out quietly thing, like crouching behind stuff, and they keep running into priests and, and vicars. Oh, fucking hell. And but like two three minutes later, it's like it's crossed over like an hour's time, and they're still stuck in there trying to find a way out. And there's like a group of about twenty of them, and it t- it just turns into a massive homage to like platoon, <laughs> um, predator. Like it references directly. It's Escape like oh from the my lingerie god, section. it's that that alone is worth watching it for. It's so bloody well done. I'm trying to remember the lead actor who played Ted. Um, can't remember now, but he's oh. he's he is. He's phenomenal in that scene, yeah. and it's 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 worth watching just for that. But in the spirit of uh, hashtag thanks Graham, um, if you can get hold of it by borrowing it off someone or buying a second hand copy from a charity shop, or in some way that isn't gonna give Graham Linehan residuals, yeah, go ahead. We encourage Graham it. Linehan. It'll probably um, be on all four at some point. Yeah, give it a watch on. They'll there. probably get paid for that. A though. Christmassy Ted. Ah, but you know, you've got to do what you got to do, you? Um, <laughs> to watch a Christmassy Ted. Come out of mine. I'll put the DVD on. We'll all watch it together. Christopher, can Master we have fun. a moment of recognition? Must we for the late, oh great Roger Lopak, Rick Mail. Yes, of course. Fucking hell, yes. And uh, the season two episode of Bottom entitled <laughs> Holy, <laughs> in which a baby erroneously left on the outside the boy's front door <laughs> is mistaken for the Messiah, and Richie, as a virgin, believes he is. Mary. Mary. With his blue towel draped over his head. Fucking and hell. one of his fingers stapled back on. Of course. That is an episode which has really good, some really, really good visual gags because it's got the cutting off of the finger and the spurting blood. Yeah. Um, it's, it's And it's got the fucking, um, the, the spicy sprouts and everyone's explosive flatulence. This is the one that opens with uh, Richie dressed as Father Christmas trying to put Eddie's presents yes, in. And God Eddie rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> <laughs> and the portrait of Richie that Eddie does. Fuck yes. Oh, God. <laughs> It's For any of our younger listeners who've never watched Bottom, please watch Bottom. I think it's Bottom. all on Netflix, and it's not. It's, it's one of so a lot of the humor. Some of like the pop culture references have aged it. Oh, absolutely. A lot, a I mean, lot of the even humor. just the references to alcohol. Yeah. Like Binge. who the hell drinks Drambuie? Drambuie anymore? 
The one with, that's one of my favourite episodes of television ever, the one with the stuck up the top of the Ferris wheel. Yeah. So good. Well, yeah, well, because one of, one of, one of Eddie's Christmas gifts is an empty mini bottle of Malibu. Yeah. <laughs> it's an empty mini bottle of Malibu and a toilet roll tube fashioned into a play telescope with an image of Sue Carpenter. Yeah. Um, oh, that's not aged. No, uh, definitely, yeah. definitely not aged. But bottoms excellent. It's a living Looney yeah, Tune. A lot of the pop culture references with, with the actual aged, results of the violence. Yeah. <laughs> the, the jokes that are timeless are the slapstick violence. Binge bottom. Watch. Oh, I, that's what I did the, the, a couple of days after Rick Mail died. Yeah. I was having a particularly low day, so I just stayed in bed for most of the day and watched all of Bottom. Not a bad shout, to be honest. Let's be perfectly <laughs> like, fucking oh, honest. Oh, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Uh, thanks, Rick. Hashtag thanks, Rick. And then um, binge the live shows, because they are next level. <laughs> they are a biblical experience in they themselves. Are something else. Especially because on every recording... And it's usually Adrian Edmondson did something to fuck they, yeah. Rick Mail over. Yeah. And in I think it's the second one, it results in a like fifteen minute improvised sequence that yeah. just comes the fuck out of nowhere with him dealing with him trying to trip him up. Don't bother with so Hotel Paradiso though. Um it's watch not Hotel Paradiso at the end of your marathon yeah. as you're falling asleep. Because it's not if you want to see a young Simon Pegg's nipple ring getting ripped off, watch Guest House Paradiso. There's no other reason yeah. to watch Guest House Paradiso. Um, it's not great. They're the... great in it, but it's not great. <laughs> uh, another another late great comedy great. Great, great. Uh, Victoria Wood. Victoria Wood, Dinner Lady. And a wonderful sitcom called Dinner Lady, which also was a very oh, so early good. vehicle for um, Maxine Peake. Yes. Um, and that was a great little sitcom about... A, a sneak peek, if you will. Hey... <laughs> That she was wonderful. Peaked early. Uh, no, hey, no, she didn't. She no, continued she to. Didn't. She didn't. Her episode um, of um, of uh, Black Mirror is amazing. Which one was she in? As uh, the one with the dogs in series. Oh, I've not seen it. It's in black and white, if I remember correctly, I've, and it's I've really fucking violent. Not seen it. The entire premise um, of it is basically just you know those robot dogs that you see videos of. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, them. Oh, okay. All right. Fuck. They, um, they, they learn. That's the premise. Oh God. <laughs> and here's here's where we are. Five years after that learning began. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Um, it's really horrible. So, Dinner Ladies was a great little, uh, very British sort of... Oh, very British. Um, yeah. Studio sitcom about a bunch of ladies who worked in a in an office canteen. Um, and the second season had a couple of episodes that fell on around Christmas. And what's nice about it was it was sort of the... Um, the sort of it was the Tim and Dawn moment for the Victoria Wood character and 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 Tony, who's the the manager of the canteen, yeah, and sort of their relationship sort of kicking off, but has that middle cliffhanger where she's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm married, which of course in the second part you find out she's separated, yeah, but she's got got like it was that whole thing of like, yeah, oh, oh god, uh, it is. And it has, it has a happy ending, and they end up both going to Scotland for to spend Christmas with Tony's family, and it's nice. And it's, and it's also that perfect yeah. British sitcom thing of it's it's two series, sixteen episodes total. Yes, yeah, it is, you, you get it in a box set. It's it's great watching, and it's got a, and it's got lovely. It's just so... Victoria Wood, Julie Walters, Thelma Barlow, <sighs> Andrew Dunn, Shobna Galati. Oh Celia yeah, yeah. I think it was one of Shobna's earlier gigs. Wasn't yeah, it? Uh, um, she was in she was in one of the soaps, wasn't she? Uh, 
Corrie, I so think was, she was I think in. Was yeah, she was, uh, she was Sunita in Corrie. It was pre Corrie. Was it pre Corrie? Pre Corrie. Uh, Dinner Ladies is 98 to 2000. What was she, what was she in before? Because I recognised her when she was in Dinner Ladies from something else. Let's have a little I'm sure I did. Let's have a little look at it. She's also another actor who's been wasted in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. One episode and then done. Um, yeah, she's film great. Career Savile Uganda. Yeah, of course it was, and of course it was a springboard <clears throat> for Maxine Peake. Because mm. when Maxine, when you go back and watch it, like, oh, Maxine Peake. No, uh, Dinner Ladies was a was her first big gig. Oh, maybe it was. After she, oh, then. she she was she was in the uh, she's the dancer in the video for uh, Bow Down Mister by Boy George. Oh, that's definitely not that. That's, maybe, her, that's her first like notable credit. Maybe it, I maybe it was a uh, retroactive thing then. Dinner um, Ladies did get repeated a lot in the yeah, mid 2000s. Yeah. My my exposure to it was mostly. In repeats. That was probably actually Gold. when I was first exposed to it then. Yeah. Maxine Peake, Duncan Preston and Anne Reid as well. Yes. Out the cast. Yes. Um, such a great little uh, sitcom. But yeah. Dinner um, Ladies is great. It was one of those things where you go back and watch it and you're like, oh, Maxine Peake used to be a lot a lot chubbier. And then you, you, it's because Victoria Wood was like, yeah, not, you know, do what you need to do, but if you don't, if you want to get taken more seriously as an actress, unfortunately, you're gonna have to shrink down a bit. Yeah, and she did, and now she's taken very seriously as an actress. So yeah. it's kind of like Meh. this horrible thing of it's a horrible thing. Which too. is amazing because it means we get to see her in lots of things. Yeah, I mean, there is there is legend is that uh, the, the theatrical world in Manchester will collapse if Maxine Peake isn't in at least one show in a Manchester <laughs> theatre. Well, they've changed time. artistic directors at the exchange now. Oh, yeah. So. She'll show up somewhere. Although, although, the, the, Hope Mill. Of course there is. <laughs> Three minute theatre. The, 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 the Manchester Royal Exchange. Just read the phone book in the bottom of Affleck. The Manchester Royal thing, Royal Exchange Theatre. You know West Side Story's coming back. They're doing another one of the West Side Story uh, thing here, but, but they cast it in London. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck the fuck off. It's not touring. I hate that They're shit. not touring their production of it. It's at, it's a run at the Exchange <laughs> in early 2020. But they're casting it in London. Last week, I'm sure there was a there was a call for a commercial that would be shooting in Manchester in a few weeks' time, and I was like, oh, I, in London. I can't actually do that because I'm on a job, so never mind. But one glance at it, the casting is like today in London. Yeah, it's fucking like, fucking hell. Anyway, fucking uh, hell. This one's we weird. want authentic, re- and it was, it was they wanted authentic regional accents as well. So they wanted people from Manchester. Yeah, I had one for. A- Bolton regional accents which had a London casting as well like if you want Bolton regional accents and you're filming in Bolton here's a tip cast it in Bolton you fuckers god Uh, damn it I know the Oxygen's being refurbed at the moment but there is still stuff going on in in Bolton hey it's Um, alright as long as the job goes to Maxine Peake it'll be fine yeah it'll be fine fucking hell Um, two more I want to I want to touch on Uh, these are both going to be kind of a one woman production of West Side Story starring Maxine Peake in in all roles roles. Um, (laughs) I mean I'd watch it yeah it'd be interesting Um. So one of them is that this has become so ubiquitous at Christmas. Ubiquitous. I can no longer separate actual Morecambe and Wise stuff (laughs) from like just from their regular shows (laughs) from their Christmas specials. Yeah, because not all the Christmas special materials are are Christmas led things. But right, repeats and compilations and documentaries have meant that are so focused around because they are a regular fixture at Christmas across whatever channel has got the rights to it that year. Yeah, well, for but, years BBC repeated all their specials and then they stopped doing that. So Channel 4 or Channel 5 then yeah. were like, right, well, let's get hold of the ITV ones and we'll so start showing yeah. them. Uh, and I think Channel 5 the last few years have done a thing where they've shown like a documentary about 
the Christmas specials with the compilation, and then afterwards they've shown like one or two of the Christmas specials in their entirety. So like, yeah, Markham and White and UK Gold dip into it as well. Markham and White are always on TV at Christmas. Yeah, so it's not and even, long may that they continue. They did do many Christmas specials, but it's that we looked it up. It's like, like yeah. eight at the BBC and like seven at ITV. And it's but it's not their Christmas special. It's just them. Yeah, they are a Christmas special <laughs> now. You know, Eric can only give me that warm Christmassy feeling, regardless of whatever it's the just context their is. Touching you, they're just coming like, oh, right. hey, hey, <laughs> what do you think of it so far? It's Eric's thought on the afterlife. <laughs> but it's okay because Ern gets to put on all the plays what he wrote. Yeah, um, every single one. <laughs> and he, but even in heaven, they can't see the join. So um, hey, um, so that's you know that's just a Christmas fixture now. But the last thing I want to touch on as a, as a little curiosity there is there an is. One of my favourite TV shows, um, and it's a weird pick, because there are not one, oh. not two, Hi. but three Aye. Christmas episodes of The X-Files. What the living fuck? Across two seasons. Wait. What? That means so, one season has two Christmas episodes. So the first pair yes. is actually, one, one. basically, in season five, they're one of their myth arc two-parters. Yeah. which was a common fixture of the show structure, um, fell across the Christmas the Christmas week. Okay. Um, in the States. Uh, so they had Christmas Carol and Emily, which is only vaguely Christmas-themed, because but, basically... But it's spinning out of the first one. So they're called Christmas the Carol. The first episode is called Christmas Carol. And then the next one's Emily. Because the girl... Who is the subject of the Christmas Carol story episode? Called is... Emily. Oh, okay, yeah. And the whole thing is like, oh, so in, at the end of season two, towards the end of season two, Scully's sister Melissa is killed. Mistake- Spoiler alert! Mistakenly, for a, I know for right? a thirty-year-old season of <laughs> mistakenly <laughs> of, a, of a drama sci-fi series, someone goes to kill Scully, but mistakes Melissa for Scully. Oh, okay. And so Melissa's killed instead of Dana. And Scully is uh, um, Scully takes the weight of that from that day forth. And then there is a girl who appears like in care, who is supposedly Melissa's secret daughter. But then they do a DNA test, and it's not Melissa's daughter. She's not Scully's niece. Yeah. She's Scully's daughter. Holy shit! Okay. And the idea being that she was cr- she was created from the eggs that were harvested from Scully when she's abducted during season two. Christ alive. All right. alien, and of course she's an alien-human hybrid and there's like, oh, the shape-shifting alien hunter played by Brian Thompson comes along yeah. and does spiky-necky things and then Emily dies at the end and no one's left with any answers. You know, d- boilerplate yeah. fucking myth arc two-parter. Yeah. Oh, there's this thing that could blow the lot of the conspiracy. Oh, there's an alien-human hybrid and there's the alien bounty hunter and there's the, the, the ice pick thing that he stabs people in the back of the neck with and then they melt into green goo and oh, all the evidence is gone. Like, uh, Scully Scout starts to bond with Emily but then Emily gets sick. She's poisoned by the, the bounty hunter. And, um, but Scully gives her, because one of the big things in the show is, is Scully's Catholic faith. Yes. Like, even, even in the face of everything, she, she still kind of clings to it. And because uh, she bonds with Emily, she gives Emily her crucifix necklace. Mm. And then, after Emily dies... They're like, well, we can use that. And then and they're sort of burying her. I can't remember how they get around to it now, but they're, they're, for some reason they think it's a good idea to open up the coffin. And the coffin is just like 
sacks with the necklace. Jesus. Guess what? Why? Never comes up again. Really? <laughs> I mean, they fucking they rebooted they it twice all the time. Well, th- no, because later on, <laughs> Scully and Mulder have an actual child together. Oh Christ! Uh, Nat comes up again in season eleven, but by the time season eleven uh, rolled round and was getting there, I was like, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> no one, neither does anyone else, by all accounts. Uh. <laughs> But the uh, except whoever wrote those middle episodes where it gets all weird and yeah well, uh, <laughs> but the real auditor is an episode from season six called "How the Ghosts Stole Christmas." The what the fuck? How is this a Raymond Briggs book that we forgot to mention earlier on? How the Ghosts Stole Christmas. Will Mel Smith's Father Christmas appear in it? In which... Dubbed by an American sexploitation actor. And... <laughs> Has anyone... It'll be another Merry Christmas. Has anyone Why does he knows... sound so bad? As anyone knows who um, has watched The X-Files and is familiar with it, as the show went on, the, um, the sort of peppering of more comedic episodes in with the more serious stuff became more and more prominent. Yeah, herb. Because the show was never afraid... To take its supernatural subject matter either very seriously or with a very tongue-in-cheek approach. Ow. Sometimes both of the same episode. Yeah. How the Ghost Dog... Uh, that kind of peaked in the sixth season, which is the first season that they moved away from Vancouver and filmed in LA. Yes. And they threw a load of money at it. Yeah. It was the first post-movie season. Yeah. It's like, this um, did well. Yeah. Let's invest in it. So but How the Ghost Dog Christmas... Seven years into its production. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, this is... Uh-huh. Mulder and Scully investigate a haunted house Ooh. and get tricked and almost get tricked into killing each other by being possessed by the uh, mischievous spirits of a couple who murder-suicided there. They murder-suicided and now they're mischievous? The spirits of the couple yes. are played by Ed Asner and Lily Tomlin. Oh! <laughs> It's okay. a weird okay. episode, but it's also they've got the smallest. It's, it's the smallest cast of any episode. Right, it's four actors on one set. So it's essentially a stage play, but with special effects. Okay, and it is. I'm game. Um, I, I like. I like the the balls on them for going. Yeah, Let's make this and really it, straightforward. It's like it's. We're going to trust that our audience are invested enough that they will go on this weirdly muted ride with when, us. But it's the idea: is these two young lovers. Like do a lovers pact in like nineteen seventeen, and they bec- and then they've spent that all that time with each other in the afterlife, and kind of gotten sick of each other, so they play tricks on fucking other people, um, to sort of get the to sort of pass the time, um, and it's just the idea that the whole plot is resolved. Spoilers when the two ghosts have have tried to fool. Um, Mulder and Scully into thinking that they've shot each other and then Mulder and Scully are like hang on we're not actually shot we just think we're shot and bleeding and then it's like and then oh oh well you got us <laughs> end of episode <laughs> it's weird nothing says Man. Christmas quite like an assisted murder suicide Christmas specials are weird <laughs> Christmas specials are fucking I'll weird I wanted to mention those X-Files ones not because they're good 
but because they happen. I mean, how the ghost stole Christmas is fun. Like, a lot of season six is fun, but not necessarily very good. So, like, season six of most shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not till it's not till the second half of season seven that the series really starts to go downhill and then season eight and nine are just like oh, oh fuck this is not Robert Patrick's fault no I hasten to add oh. and also oh, was it, was Robert it? talks like a freaking mobster in a gangster movie Patrick and uh, Mimi, Mimi Rogers comes in as well not their fault not their fault you're only scripts. saying that because you're scared he's going to come after you and liquid metal your ass. Polish sausage. Um, <laughs> that's the thing he keeps saying in one episode. He's very insistent that it's not a hot dog, it's Polish sausage. Um, <laughs> Are we back to the uh, Flesh Gordon films? Well, <laughs> who could say? Who could say? The evil Emperor Wang. But hey! Hey! Look at us! Two cats. <laughs> sat here on... Boxing Day, um, November the 15th. Thanks for joining us yeah. for our magical mystery tour through some the good, the bad and the weird. And TV and Christmas, Christmas specials. specials. We might do some more of these. I might hunt down some Christmas specials. We'll track them. And have a look. And have a we'll look at track them. Um, what are some of your been, faves though? That's what we want to know. You know, there's like a bunch of Dad's Army ones. Oh God, yeah. One of them has been, one of them has been <laughs> completely wiped. But the other ones are still around because Dad's Army's another one. There's a lot of other shows that you don't think have been affected by the the wipe, the great BBC wipe as much as Doctor Who because they're not as sort of the, their fan bases aren't yeah. as rabid. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of early BBC shows got that. Oh, I'm gonna have to take this, Christopher. Be a love, and see the people out. I shall indeed. Hi, well, Merry Christmas, all. I Matt, love you all. Whilst Matt goes to speak Bye. to Father Christmas, I'm going to ask you guys for the gift of giving this year. If you want to support the show, head to patreoncom cast for exclusive content rewards based on which tier you go for. Not only that, you can support us just by spreading the word of the Big Damn Cast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. We stream on twitchtv stream and you can of course subscribe to us and listen to us on Spotify, YouTube. SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast provider. But please use those ones, the analytics are easier to read that way. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good X Files went shite. Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs>